man, I had like a different way that I had thought about introducing where we're going this morning. And then uh, earlier this morning, I just felt like totally radically changing it um, be around this question of like uh, me asking myself, like, what makes me think that I have what it takes to lead this church? That question. Um, there are a bunch of organizations that we partner with in the planting of the church, and no joke, there was an essay question of uh, a group that we were going to partner with, and one of the questions on the essay was, what makes you think you have what it takes to lead this church? Like, that's like a gut punch, right? <laughs> um, and it, uh, it took me to, to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and by God's grace, so we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, uh, but I just can't get, get away from this passage, and I'm trusting that it's for us to not get away from either. But in 1 Timothy 4, 13, we typically have the verses. We will have all the other verses on the screen, um, but, we won't have, but we don't have this one, no, because it's, it's hot off the press. Um, 1, 1 Timothy 4, starting in 13, says, uh, so just feel free to listen to it. Um, these, are, these are words from God and from Paul to a pastor who is seeking to lead a church plant. And I think by implication, it's for all of us. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So that's what we're doing this morning. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So that was a big deal when all of these elders laid their hands on this person and prayed for them, and God actually gave him uh, gifts at that time that would be used for the body of Christ. So then verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, and then this was a section that rocked me. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress so that all may see your progress. I stand up here and I want you to see a finished product. I, I, wanna, I wanna just shine for all the world to see is like, man, Tim's got it together. He is a finished product. He was formed somewhere else and now he's come into this community and he's a finished product. And that's what makes me think I have what it takes to lead the church, right? Well, that's not the message here. Um, so when I responded to that essay, what makes you think that you have what it takes to lead this church? I said, I don't have what it takes to lead this church. Are you kidding me? It's a church of Jesus. I, I am a human. I am so broken. I do not have what it takes, but Jesus has what it takes to lead this church, and I believe he's called me and called us to be a part of it, and that was my answer, and I was like, I don't know if that's what they're looking for, but, uh, but uh, at the same time, though, with this passage, like, that's what the message to Timothy was, is like, hey, come together and let people see your progress. Not the finished product, but let them see your progress as you're using the gifts that were given to you, and that's 100% what we're talking about today. So we saw it kind of in a microcosm there, and now we're going to move more fully into it. It's going to be more expanded, and hopefully the Lord will speak more into the nooks and crannies of our lives as we go into Ephesians chapter 4. So can I, can I pray again into that? I know we've prayed a lot, but this is kind of Jesus' church, so I don't think we can talk to him enough as we come together to make sure we're not playing church, but to make sure we're actually seeking him and living with him. So, so Lord, would you empower your word? Uh, would you just guard me from saying things that would just be in my flesh? Lord, would you speak through me? Would you speak to each of us? Would you speak to me? 
Um, as we open your word, we don't want to play here. Uh, we actually just want to be captured by you. Uh, you are the most exciting thing happening in our community. And uh, Lord, we, t- we just turn our eyes to you, change us, move in us for your glory this morning. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, it kicks off this way, uh, verse 7, but grace was given to each one, okay, not just to the lead pastor, not just to the, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, verse 8, this is a prophetic word from Psalm 68 that was written hundreds of years before, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. As a lot of the word of God is, there's, there's a lot to just put in your mouth and chew on, mull over, ask the Lord, what are you saying here? There's a lot here that you're saying. I think a truth to cling to for a lifetime is, if we're just going to boil some of these words down, is in ascending, he gifted us. And you can feel free to, to write that down if it's meaningful or it might become meaningful, but in ascending, he gifted us. Remember, the word grace here, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of God's gift, Christ's gift. Remember, the word grace means undeserved favor. You get what you don't deserve. So often we have a culture where you get what you deserve, or even you get sometimes more, like worse than you deserve. But here, like in God's economy, in Christ's economy, he is uh, so gracious to give us what we don't deserve, undeserved favor. And here, undeserved favor was given to each one of us, and it was even prophesied in the Old Testament that undeserved favor would be given to us. And we can meditate on this all day long. What is he talking about when as he is ascending? You think about this. You have just risen from the dead, and you're ascending victorious. And um, I would assume that, like, Jesus' focus would be on the Father. I would assume that Jesus' focus would be he is ascending. Oh, my God. He's just defeated death. He is alive and well. He will be alive and well for all time. Uh, He's with us always to the very end of the age, Scripture says. As he's ascending, very easily his focus could be on ascending, (laughs) right? As he's ascending, he could be ascending. But instead, as he's ascending, he's giving gifts to men and giving gifts to people as he's ascending. What gifts is he giving here? Uh, If... I got, it was my daughter Hannah's birthday this weekend, she turned 14, and um, if I said to Hannah, like, hey, what gift have you gotten from your grandfather? She could be like, well, I'm thinking most recently probably my birthday, but he's given me a lot of gifts over my 14 years of life, right? Some people have only ever been given one gift by somebody, maybe, so if you say what gift, it's like obvious what you're talking about. Here, though, Jesus has given us so many gifts that we could say, well, what is he talking about here? Because he is lavish with his gifts. We have the gift of life. Everything that has been made was made through him, John 1 tells us. So we have the gift of life. We could just say like, wow, you gave us life. We have the gift of him not running away from us, but running to us. We have the gift of him dying on a cross, paying the penalty of our personal sin. We have the gift of his resurrection, 
in his life, we can have life. We have the gift of him opening our eyes to him. If you truly sang any of these lyrics from your heart, that's his gift. Scripture says that he's the author and perfecter of our faith. Even our own faith is worship to him because we wouldn't have it if he wasn't pursuing us and open our eyes to the glories of who he is. So we have so many gifts from him. In this context, however, and what we're going to see as Ephesians 4 continues, it seems to be that the gift that he's talking about is, is those things are all true, but those are not what he's talking about in these contexts. The gifts he's talking about here seem to be supernatural, spiritual gifts given to each one of us to be used in the church, which is his living body. So he is giving individual gifts to people as he is ascending. And these aren't gifts that are just like, well, I'm good at this, and so I'm just going to do this. But these are things that he supernaturally gives us that we couldn't actually just do in our own strength. And he gives us gifts, which to me is kind of, um, it's interesting. Because he could have given us money. He could have said, you know what, they're going to need a lot of resources to be the church that I'm going to call them to be. So as I'm ascending, I'm just going to be giving them money. Like he could, have, he could have done that. He didn't. He could have given us clothing to keep us warm. Uh, winter is coming. Here's a bunch of Carhartt stuff. Like he could have given us that as he ascended. And he does provide that for us, but this is not the main focus that he's saying on it. He could have given us property to invest in, to use, to build churches all over the world. But he specifically As he is ascending, his primary focus here is giving us spiritual gifts. It's a beautiful passage. He's doing it, but you might think, isn't isn't that the Holy Spirit's role is to give us spiritual gifts? Like, why is Jesus giving us spiritual gifts in this context? In John 16, verse 7, this is a beautiful prayer of Jesus. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, is to your advantage that I go away. It's actually good that Jesus ascended, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, to send the Holy Spirit to us, to reside in us. So he gave each of us a spiritual ability. It's an ability not designed to operate from him, but designed to operate for him, for his body, by the ongoing power of the Spirit. And he is orchestrating all of this as he is ascending. Some of the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in Scripture are teaching, serving, and no one thinks that these are exhaustive lists. Um, I think there are many more than this, but teaching, serving, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, tongues, apostle, miracles, gifts of healings, evangelism, administration, faith. If you have, put your trust in Jesus If he's your savior, you have a hand-chosen spiritual gift for the body, for the community. You may have multiple gifts, um, and uh, our focus, and the focus of Paul here isn't necessarily then to go deep into how to know what your spiritual gift is and all that, and we'll go into some of those things. I think a lot of times what you do is you just start serving. You see needs, and you go after them, and people are like, wow. I am pretty certain, like, you are gifted in this way in the body of Christ. Um, I think what's interesting, too, is, like, I think some of us have lived lives where people only care for you if you're useful to them. 
which is, which is tragic. It's, it's unfortunate. But it's like, I'm only going to be around you as long as I'm getting something from you. And I think there's a danger here to think that that's how Jesus operates. Is like, hey, I love having you be a part of the church because you are gifted at this. And we kind of only love you here while you're doing that. Like, Jason, you're singing up here. Awesome. Uh, just just kind of go in your own corner the rest of the week. You know, we just, we only desire you to be around us when you're using that gifting. You know, Jesus is, is not that way at all, thankfully. He gifts us because he loves us. He has a purpose for us. Uh, he has a calling for each of us in our fit as it relates to the body of Christ. He never throws us away. He never walks away from us. Even if we are walking away from him, he's walking towards us. He's patient None of us know when our opportunity uh, of this life is over, um, and there's a reality that people who reject him for a lifetime uh, go to hell, uh, which is stark, it is scary, um, and it would be the worst news ever without knowing that we have a pursuing Jesus who ascended, who conquered death. Um, who, I mean, it would be as if there is a cure for cancer. Cancer would drastically lose its scariness knowing that there's a cure. And hell drastically loses its scariness knowing that the solution from hell is, has fully been victorious, which is our living Savior who conquered death and the penalty of death, and he is gifting us as he is ascending. Now look at verse 9, verse 10, or verses 9 and 10. Um, I... This is just C.S. Lewis. I mean, Scripture is the Word of God. C.S. Lewis is a fallen man, but man, he was gifted in the 1940s to be able to read Scripture and communicate things in a beautiful way. He said this about Jesus' ascending and descending. In the Christian story, God descends and reascends. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, Further still, down to the very roots and seabed of nature, he has created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world up with him. And man, that's, that's powerful. And as he is ascending, his eye is on us. As he ascended, his heart is on us. His eye is on me. His eye is on you to have what we need to be who we are called to be. But here's what's weird. There's a twist. There's a twist to all of this. In his, in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, he did something that was not anticipated. We're given gifts from God, but there's something about these gifts that aren't what they're supposed to be. There's something about these gifts that's incomplete. These gifts aren't ready to go straight out of the box. Look at verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. That's the default tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So this is another truth to chew on, to, to just 
have inside of you going over as we're driving around, taking kids to places, is in addition to in ascending he, given, he gifted us, is our gifts require growth. Our gifts require growth. He gifted us, but our gifts are all in their infancy. They're all in their infancy. So he gives, verse 11 says, he gives all these things to mature us, to have us grow. He gave, Jesus himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Apostles are typically leaders of leaders, pastors of pastors, people who have a leadership gifting that seems to have influence uh, and a leadership influence that's greater than just one location. And we see Paul as, as like, we see that in Paul very strongly. Uh, prophets are those who, are, who seem to be gifted in seeing and speaking God's word into a specific situation. So they don't ever go against God's word, but instead they help us grow in applying his word in a specific situation. Evangelists are gifted uh, to be used by God in being catalysts to people being saved by Jesus. So when you're an, around an evangelist, you just, there's a natural gifting for people to have clarity about the gospel, clarity about Jesus uh, through this person. And we're all called to do these things, but an evangelist seems to have a unique gifting towards that. Shepherds are gifted to watch over the protection and the thriving of the sheep, which is just a metaphor used for God's people. And we're all sheep, and Jesus is the great shepherd. Uh, shepherds are leading away from danger and towards health. Teachers are gifted to bring to light the word of God. So every local church for the last 2,000 years has been gifted with teachers to be able to make the word of God in God's revealed ways to particular people, to Collins, Maxwell, Baxter, Colonesco, 2019, the word of God stepping into that space. He's giving these people gifts so they can collectively equip the saints, not that those people are doing the work of the ministry, but to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I think I, when I first came to Jesus, I thought the pastor did the work of the ministry. It's like, that's why we pay you, right? To do the work of the ministry. It's like, no, all of these, it's, and this isn't one person, this is a group of people that are being gifted to equip the group of people that are all gifted, and all of us are doing the work of the ministry together. We can't do the work of ministry solo. My gosh. We can't, I mean, the, the dude that lives in Montana in a cabin and is actively being a part of a church by himself, it, it can't be. Like, the gift of hospitality can't happen by yourself, right? I'm so hospitable to myself. Like, it can't function that way. Like, these giftings are actually used for the community. So that's why, like, someone being put on a pedestal, like, that's only Jesus' spot, right? Because all of us together are pointing towards him, and none of us, these are gifts that are given. We can't brag. Like, uh, you know, it's, these are received. They're not things that we create on our own. But they're all required. Growth is required for all of these, and it goes against every fiber of self-sufficiency that we have. You know, as it's getting colder and I'm looking at all the wood I split this summer, you know, and I'm like, okay, I think like if the like zombie apocalypse happens, I think I'm good. I think my family's good. Like we're self-sufficient. You know, like, I mean, that just seems to be like we have barns everywhere for storing up stuff. And a lot of that is great, but like a shadow of that can be that we think in this area that like we're pretty good at survival and we're pretty good at like finding a way to be self-sufficient. 
And it's like Jesus is like, I love you guys too much for that. I'm going to gift you in these incredible ways, and you're actually going to have to let people see your progress. And for you to actually grow in your gifting is going to be let other people pour into you as well as we grow together. And then look what the goal here in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. That could be womanhood as well, to to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So as we grow in community, allowing each other and each other's gifts to grow us, we become more united in the faith. So when I start looking at Ian or whoever it may be and be like, oh man, get away from me, I am not growing because I'm not growing towards unity in the faith, growing in the knowledge of Jesus He gave us our minds to be able to feast on the word of God and to learn more about the one that our heart is captured by. We grow in knowledge of Jesus. We attain maturity. We're no longer year one Christians for 10 years. Okay, and that that can be a tragedy of like where it's like, okay, I'm saved, but you know, for all of us, Lord willing, we want to (laughs) grow. We want to grow. I don't know of anybody that's like, hey, I want to come to Jesus and then just kind of plateau out for the rest of my life and I'll be happy there. You know, it's like, no, that that's not the way he's designed us here. It's actually to grow in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And uh, and just as I study that passage, I'm like, what does it mean to grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Just seems to mean like, I don't think we're going to hit a ceiling as we're trying to grow here. <laughs> like, if we're looking at the full measure of Jesus, I think like we've got a lot that we can grow into for a lifetime, which is glorious and uh, glorious transformation. So it's safe to assume that he's just getting started with us. Look, though, what it looks like when we don't grow in him. If we go solo, we try to do it on our own, or we're too proud to admit that we're a work in progress, look what it looks like in verse 14 so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. If we resist growing in Jesus, being matured by him, if we resist, if we don't stay, stay, stay growing, we don't just stay there. It's not like if I work out really hard in the gym and I do that for like six months, then it's like, I'm going to take six months off. You don't stay where you were when you, the day you stopped working out, right? You instantly start going down and surprisingly, you go down fast. <laughs> At least that's my experience with uh, stopping working out. And, uh, and here too, like this is not the way that we're designed to be. So if we are not growing in being formed together in the body, We are actually growing in being swayed by human cunning, by craftiness, by crafty ways to talk about sinning, by crafty ways to be tempted in the season of life that we're in, by deceitful schemes from Satan. All of those can have a sway over us and a power over us that shouldn't be as being brothers and sisters in Christ. If we refuse to work out, we get weak fast. If we only walk with Jesus and we're only around the church like an hour on Sunday, it's like Jesus comes into existence for an hour on Sunday and the church comes to existence for an hour on Sunday and that's it. And then the rest of the week, we're just kind of living in our flesh. That is us moving towards immaturity, moving towards childishness. 
we, we're to have childlike faith, but not be childish, not be immature as we walk with Jesus. And um, I love here that Paul then isn't in Ephesians, isn't like, so try harder. That's the end that I got to say about that. I love that instead where Ephesians takes us is by this word in verse 15. Rather, just very clearly, going this way, going this way, don't grow, don't grow. Rather, okay, I'm, I'm going this way now. I'm going this way. And that's how the Ephesians are being led to. Rather, speaking the truth in love were to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with, it is, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So another truth to cling to for a lifetime, instead of having the, the, the closest you were to being to God, being something in the past, you know, some people who, like me, came to Jesus in college, I could say, like, man, I was so on fire for Jesus, and then I just kind of got into life and just started getting beat down, you know, one beating after another, and now I'm just kind of not quite where I used to be. And I love that it's not, it, it's, it doesn't end there, but there can be a rather, 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 from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow. So it builds us up, up in love. So, so here, what we looked at were those two things. This one, Paul just says, is let's grow. Let's grow. I think like if we were going to boil down verses 15, 16, is just to say, hey, let's grow. <laughs> Why don't we grow? Why don't we grow here? For a long time, uh, I think I've read this passage wrong. Uh, you know, we've probably heard that term, speaking the truth in love speaking the truth in love. And I think I just read that thinking uh, that that's just kind of a generic thing. Let's just like speak the truth in love. But here in its context, what this is saying is that what we need to do as we grow up in Christ is speak the truth in love against human cunning. We need to speak the truth in love against what is threatening to pull us down. We need to speak the truth in love against the craftiness of deceitful schemes. We need to speak the truth in love about what Satan is seeking to pull us away from and pull us into. Speak the truth in love as we grow. Verse 15 shows us the direction that we grow. We are to grow up in him in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So this is like the, the absolute, like, where is north? So if I like start here and just be like, okay, I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm just going to take a thousand steps forward, okay? And I take a thousand steps forward or I say, okay, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to take a thousand steps forward. Like here at step one, it's like pretty close to each other, you know, just like a foot away from each other. But if I go a thousand steps that way or a thousand steps that way, I'm going to end up in like drastically different places, and so here, like our north is, as we grow, are we growing into Christ? Are we growing into Christ who is the head of the church? OK? 
okay? Because sometimes we can grow in like performing. It's like, man, I read this huge book on hospitality. I got like a thousand tips on hospitality. People are going to come over to my house and they're going to think I have the best life ever. And I'm going to Instagram that puppy up like you can't believe. And I will be the king of the mountain by the end of the day, right? Like, so that is not using our gifts and growing into Christ, right? Like growing into Christ would be, oh my gosh, I get a Jesus has welcomed me into him. He has welcomed me into his family. When I step towards Christ, his hospitality for us, him, he is home when we are with him. And man, out of the overflow of the relationship that I have with Jesus, I can actually grow in making my home or or grow in being a hospitable person that People, when they're with me, are asking me, like, where is this coming from? And I can share about Jesus um, and, and on and on and on. That is us growing into him, his presence with us, us being able to, to grow not away from him, but grow into him. And then look at verse how, how 16 shows the role of Jesus being part of this. He's not watching from his ivory tower, but from whom the whole body that's joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. As we use our gifts, as they are empowered by God, as we grow and we mature in Christ, as we move towards him, away from childishness, the body is getting stronger at a joint level. We're strong to be loved by him, We're strong to love one another as we walk out our calling and use our gifts. We're strong to love our community, speaking the truth in love. He is identifying us. In ascending, he gifted us. Our gifts require growth. And then let's grow. It's my prayer for us. And we're seeing it happen. I I think that there are many people in here. Um, Patty and I were talking the other day. I have not... Uh, being a pastor for over 10 years now and seeing, uh, I felt like, uh, in some ways, I remember telling people several years ago, I feel like uh, I'm grateful that as a pastor, sometimes you kind of get a front row seat of what Jesus is doing in the congregation, in the community. And, um, and I, Patty and I were talking the other day, and I, I said it out loud, and I was like, oh, I just said that out loud. Like, I think that's true, what I just said, which is I don't think I've ever been a part of more of a vibrant body of Christ, or I've, I've never seen stuff happening in our midst like we read in the book of Acts, like we read in the New Testament that we're starting to see in our community. And, uh, and man, five years from now, if we say we've all grown, and it, none of it was our doing, we were growing into Christ, and that was his gift for us. So wherever we're at in our relationship with Jesus, I think one of the first steps is to repent. Repentance is actually a gift, it's a gift to, to, to look to Jesus and be like, I am not in charge. I want people to see my progress. So often I want them to see the finished product. I want to hide from community until I'm ready for the community to see me. But actually, Jesus, I'm not in control. I want your will. I want your way. I want your freedom. And the more clearly we see Jesus, the more we're drawn to him, the more we realize our great need We own that we live in our flesh so often. We go astray so often. And repentance is just turning our heart to him. And uh, I think for some, maybe it's been a long time since you've repented. Maybe uh, that isn't like lifted up in our culture. 
um, man, let's, let's move that direction. Um, let's commit our lives to Jesus. And some, even for the first time, putting your trust in Jesus as your Savior, who lived for you a perfect life that you couldn't live in your place. He died for you, shedding his blood so that his blood could wash you white as snow. His death followed by him being risen from the dead, conquering death. Jesus conquered death on the cross. And on the cross, he paid for our sins. And then resurrection, he conquered death. And then as he is ascending and is alive, we are made alive as we follow him putting your trust in him for the first time to save you from your sins, or just repenting and returning to him and saying, I've been off here away from your body. I've been off here on my own, and I am coming back into the life of your body. Grow me, use me, allow me to be a work in progress here in this place. Uh, we're given communion. We don't use this term very often, but like if I'm going on a date night with my wife, in some ways it's like we're going to commune together. <laughs> we're, we're having a communion tonight uh, around this restaurant, right? Like that is actually like the way we could use that word. And the way that Jesus uses the word in Scripture is he created this for us to commune with him. He said, you know what, I'm going to have you guys do this. He did it with his disciples, but he's like, the next time I do this with everybody is going to be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. We'll all be there who follow Jesus. But until you do this, do this together as my body. Do it in remembrance of me. The bread represents his body lived perfectly for us. Uh, the uh, dark red is wine. The lighter color is juice. Obey your conscience there. Uh, that is pointing us to the blood of Jesus that was shed for us so that we could be washed white as snow. So, so let's come. Let's respond. The worship team will come and lead us as well. Uh, let's take the elements. If you're not a follower of Jesus, just let these pass. And what I would say is instead of coming to this, come to Jesus. Give your life to him. Let's respond, and then we'll step into worship.